Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. What's up, everybody? Welcome to today's episode of The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde, and today is a very special episode. Uh, we're going to be doing a solo. I want to talk to you about something amazing that I've recently overcome that has haunted me most of my life and something that uh, I, I had a really, I think, backwards perspective about that I, I think that many people on this earth actually probably struggle with. Um, so... For the sake of uh, vulnerability and transparency, um, I'm going to admit right now that I'm a person that lived most of my life uh, as a very anxious person. Um, I suffered from anxiety. Um, I still do suffer from anxiety. It's, it's an affliction that many of us suffer from. Uh, mine, I would consider mine at times uh, debilitating anxiety. Um, but it was something that I, I started very young. At a, I remember um, the first time I can remember actually having anxiety was when I was in uh, fourth grade. I was nine years old. Um, I, I had it before then. I just didn't know what it was. I don't, I, I remember just being very nervous. And as it's a, the, the story about when I was nine was that I was, uh, my brother, I have a twin brother, Mike, and my twin brother, Mike was super ADD and, you know, hyperactive and he was always getting into trouble. And, and uh, he had somehow gotten a hold of some like naked pictures. <laughs> Mike, Mike was always like obsessed with like the female form at a young age, stealing Playboys and and uh, and uh, you know actually that was another time that was in third grade that that he had done that. But but in fourth grade uh, he had somehow gotten a hold of some naked pictures like it was and it was like a photocopy i don't know how he got it. i don't remember but i remember i was super scared for him that i thought he was going to get into trouble and so i took i stole them from him and i flushed them down the toilet at school and just because i didn't want him getting in trouble but i remember this like deep belly anxiety and so when I think back, I'm 44 years old, that was 35 years ago, I, I think back, that's the first time in my life I remember having this deep, deep anxiety, worried about my brother getting in trouble. And I, and I, 
back then, you know, the way I thought about it was, you know, I had a grandmother who's an amazing woman who was always worried about everything. She was worried about this and worried about that. And she was, don't stand up there and don't, you know, worried about heights and don't ride the escalator. And I mean, it was like a laundry list of stuff she was concerned about and worried about. So I just thought to myself, well, I'm just like my grandma. I'm just, you know, we had a word for her. We called her a worry wart. I think worry wart is what we called her. And, and I, I was just like, oh, I'm a, I'm a worry ward. I'm just like my grandmother, who I love dearly. To this day, I love her dearly. And uh, I was just like, I relate. I was like, I'm, I'm like her. I'm a person that just worries about things. Um, and I, you know, again, nine-year-old brain, that makes a lot of sense. You see someone, you're just like them, you love them. You're like, oh, I'm just like them. You know, like, like that's like someone I love, like no big deal. Um, but... It was something deeper than that, you know. Like I grew up in, in in an environment that was, you know, there was it was a complicated environment. And with, without getting into too much detail, um, there was you know trauma in my household that was the root of this anxiety. It was it was not necessarily the most comfortable place for a child to grow up. And um, and I, as an adult looking back, I know that that was you know that was what caused my anxiety was, was being surrounded by having to be a perfect person or else there was some pretty heavy consequences. So this became rooted deep in me. Um, this, this, this anxiety and the way that I overcame it was through performance. I became a straight A student. I became a star athlete. I became the leaders of every single thing I ever did. And so I found out early in life that the way I could soothe my anxiety was through performance. I would get positive affirmation. I would not create any imperfections. And if there, if you don't create any imperfections, what's there to be worried about? And this, this carried on through my life, um, all the way through young adulthood. I was always, I was, I, I was a star wrestler growing up, you know, uh, I was the MVP of my team. I was all county. I was all these great things in high school. I was, you know, all conference. I was one of the top wrestlers in my state. Before every match, I would have like sick to my stomach anxiety, you know. And it was just a thing where, like, whether it was asking a girl out to performance anxiety. I mean, and, and now when you're young, like that's everyone's like, oh, that's normal. But it was a thing where the only way I knew how to soothe it was performance, and I started building walls around it. And it wasn't until about, I would say about, was it 2023? It was about eight, nine years ago. After many, many years, this is decades now of dealing with anxiety. Whenever bad things would happen, I would get really anxious. I mean, sick to my stomach, anxious, haunt me anxious, physically, you know, ail from this anxiety. And, you know, I, and, and one of the things, one of the mechanisms I used to kind of, that, that was really an affliction for me was, obsess. I would obsess about things constantly. And, and it, it, whenever something bad would happen, I would obsess and problem solve and obsess and problem solve. Or whenever I made it past a certain part in my life, I would think back to the hard part of my life and obsess and problem solve in retrospect. I'd problem solve things that I'd already been through, what I could have done differently, even though this is maybe years later, you know? And so I found myself in this constant state of backward reflection constant backward problem solving or worrying about what hadn't yet happened in the future. And it was just this kind of state where the only way I could get out of that state 
was through making money and performing. So I would soothe my anxiety by doing what I could control, being a, kind of controlling the one thing I could control. I was like, well, I'm going to make money. Because if I make money, then at least I have something to deal with that pain. You know, I heard a quote once that was, a problem's not a problem if money can solve it. And I kind of had that mindset. I'll just go make more money. I'll have more savings. You know, I'll use that if there's a rainy day. And this is coming from someone that, you know, I spent five years in entrepreneurial purgatory, didn't make any money. So I, I already had some PTSD around, you know, that things can go away or you can feel pain unexpectedly. And also coming from my industry being the mortgage industry, very volatile, big highs, big lows. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius Mishazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, They've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stop me from fully enjoying the little things in life, from canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now, I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. So I had a lot of these like really complicated layers, you know, a, a history from a familial perspective of an anxiety, an anxious environment, 
being around a lot of anxious people, um, a lot of trauma around money in my household. Then I go into an industry that's super, super volatile, big highs, big lows, feast or famine, again, reinforcing those feelings. And for me, I was either anxious or soothing anxiety. And it didn't, and it didn't, in 2015, I had this episode in my business where I had this debilitating anxiety happen. My, my business uh, was a mortgage lender and we had this one issue with the uh, department of, of, of urban uh, housing and urban development where the performance of our loans were not where they needed to be. Now this is not uncommon, but it was something that we, that, that caused some, you know, potential existential threat to the business. And, um, I got freaked out and my business partner who, who had only been working with me at the time for a couple of years, saw me suddenly go from this creator, this person that was constantly positive, constantly creating to, he saw me in my state of debilitating anxiety where I like, I couldn't, I was obsessing about how to fix this thing and it was bothering me and I, I couldn't, I mean, it was really kind of ruining me as a, as a leader. I was CEO of the company at this point. And I, I was not doing well. And so I have a friend, uh, Doug Irwin, a former guest on the show, who recommended I go see this cognitive behavioral therapist in St- out of Stanford. His name is Matt May. And I went down there and we did a four-hour session together. And he gave me this one tool. He said, you know, essentially, he said, I want you to keep track of it how many times a day you are anxious. I want you to keep track of this. So I got this little clicker on my iPhone. And it was like one of those things like, like when you walk up to the door of a nightclub and someone's clicking how many people are coming in. So it was like a, a digital version of that. And I'm clicking how many times in one day that I'm anxious. And it was like insane. The first day it was like 89 times pangs of anxiety running through my body. But it was interesting that just by clicking it, I had an awareness around this thing that was controlling my behavior and my feelings. And the, the second thing he told me, you know, again, we had a whole session together and he was, and he's been mentored by some very uh, famous cognitive behavioral therapists. His mentor was um, David Burns, who, who's a very famous person in that world. And um, he essentially, you know, ran me this whole, the, through all these different, you know, modules and, you know, and we did these things like what's the worst thing can happen. And, you know, again, I, I'm not a therapist, so I don't want to get into that, but you know, left me with these tools. And one of the tools was counting how many times I'm anxious, having an awareness around it, keeping track of it. Second thing was I could have, I could carve out a time during my day, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes, an hour if I wanted. And it ended up usually being like 20 or 30 minutes where I could think of all the worst shit that could possibly happen to me in my world. And I could just sit there and live in this world of deep, deep, in, deep anxiety. So I started doing that where it was maybe 20 minutes a day or I just think of all the worst things that could happen. And what, and then I would take them all the way down. And if that happens, then what happens? And if that bad thing happens, then what happens? And it was all the way to like me going out of business. And then if I went out of business, what would happen? Well, I'd have to start over. And if I started over, what would happen? I would create something new. And so I would just take it all the way to the end while keeping track of my anxiety. The last thing I did was I wrote down every single negative thought that I had. And I started keeping track of it. This is something I think that might happen. This is another thing that I think might happen. All the things I'm worried about. And I did this for, you know, probably, I don't know, a month maybe. And, and I noticed something. Each day, the, by me facing my fear, 
like the stories I was telling myself, they just started diminishing. They kind of like, like I gave space for my anxiety. And, and by giving space for my anxiety, suddenly the world started opening up in that it just was coming back weaker. It was like the next day it wasn't as strong because it had space. It wasn't, I wasn't fighting it. You know, there wasn't that friction because for whatever reason, and, and I've learned a lot more about this since there, I'd given space, I'd given some, uh, some opportunity for that anxiety to breathe and to live. And when I did that, it lost some of its power. And so each day went along and there was just less of it. I was just, you know, I was, I wasn't obsessing as much when I was keeping track that 80 times a day, that first day I did it dropped to 40 times within a couple of days before I knew it, it was two or three times a day. And then I wasn't even doing it at all. I was, I'd given it space and knew that I wasn't fighting it. So I wasn't fighting myself in a sense. The other thing that happened was I created this really big list, right? And, and I'm going to fast forward because over time it wore down and my anxiety went away. The problem I was having in my business went away and, and I, but I, I was reflective about it and, and, and I went and I looked at the list of all these things that I'd written down. I mean, it was like over a hundred of all these things I was worried about that would happen, all these bad things. What, what my business partners were thinking, what my counterparties in my business, what my customers, what my employees, like bad things that would happen. I mean, it was a, this crazy list, right? And I went through the list and I reread re the whole list. And this is probably, I don't know, six to nine months after this whole episode, this, thing, this really, really painful anxiety episode happened for me. And I reread the list. And out of the list... If you, I want you to take a second and guess. I'm going to tell you, let's say there's 100 things on that list. It was a pretty big list. So let's say there's about 100 things on that list. How many of those things out of 100 do you think actually came true? Take a second and guess. 100. I wrote down 100 bad things I thought might happen to me because of this tough situation I was in. Take a guess. 20, 5, 100 out of 100. Let's just pick like a small number. One. One of them came true. No, the answer is not even that. Zero of those things actually happened. And I'm going to tell you what, I had some crazy shit on that list. Some stuff that like, yeah, no, yeah, like the company didn't blow up, right? My whole, I didn't, I wasn't on the front page of the, of the New York Times as someone that screwed up my business, right? Like those things that were completely whack-a-mole, you know, insane, insane like didn't happen. Okay, but there was some stuff on there that was less crazy. None of it happened. Zero. Zero things happened on that list. And I realized, I said, wow, my imagination is a strong imagination. Not one of them came true. So this, this got me really curious. I was like, holy shit. Not one of them? I was worried about all the, I mean, I was, I mean, I was losing sleep over it. I couldn't eat. I was sick to my stomach all day. I get obsessed about it. I was distracted by it. This thing ruled my world for probably like, I don't know, 90 days, three, four months. It sucked. I'm telling you, my business partners were worried about it. They're like, Hey, are you okay, man? You know, like we're going to be okay. But it was just this one thing that I just couldn't get over. And I went and finally, I went and got over it. Right. So I, I, I it blew my mind. Let's just put it that way. That six months, nine months later, some, somewhere around there, 
I go look, I look at this list and none of it happened. Not even one, not even one thing had happened. So I went and looked up the data on this. I said, you know, like, man, I wonder if there's data on, on what percentage of bad things actually happen that we worry about. And, and I found, I found an article, I think it was in psychology today and, and the num- they, they've done some studies on this and the numbers were enthralling. And the numbers that came out were this. Uh, we worry about all these things in our lives. And when they looked at the data and when they surveyed, I think they surveyed like over a thousand people, a couple thousand people on this. It may have been a really, it was a, either high 1000s or tens of thousands of people on this. And when they looked at the data, psychology data, there was this big study done. And, and, and yeah, again, I think it was tens of thousands of people they interviewed. And the, the data was unbelievable. Out of a hundred things we worry about that are going to happen, the numbers like 86% of them will never come true. And of the 14% that come true, they say that 93% of those are things that people when interviewed say that they were able to deal with and get past without it being a massive issue. Think about that. 93% of the 15% are things that we can just deal with in stride. So, th- so when you start looking at that math, it's like 1% of the things, less than 1% of the things we worry about actually come true. And when they come true, we can't deal with them. And those are probably things like, like getting really sick, you know, or getting in a debilitating car accident or something like that, right? Or it's just individuals that aren't that resilient. They can't deal. That every single thing is terrible and they can't deal with it and it ruins their life. And, and, and so I started looking. I said, wow, that's amazing. You know, and it, was, it, it gave me a new perspective. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, that did not, that by in of itself was not how I overcame my anxiety, but it was my first step in how I was able to, to really gain an awareness that how I was wired was one element. How I was thinking about what was happening was another element, and then how I was dealing with that was the last element. But having that awareness was the first step that got me down the road to where I'm at today, which is I have virtually almost no anxiety, you know, probably 1%, my 99% less than I, than I did back then. But it, it, I will say this, that was my first step. There was many, it was a very steep hill I climbed because about four years later, I had a much bigger episode and I'm going to save that episode for my next solo because I want to take you on the journey. I want to be fair to you about how I, how I figured it out. But the first step was just having an awareness, right? So if you're someone that's, that's dealing with anxiety or you tend to be an anxious person, again, for me, I said, oh, I'm, I'm just a worry word. But the reality was this, I wasn't. I was someone that had some trauma in my life. It came out in the form of, of having anxiety. It had been going on since I was a very young child. And it was something that I got used to and built walls around to try to work through, mostly through achievement. But at the end of the day, it was still there. It still had life. It was still breathing. And it comes back even now. But I, I know how to deal with it now. And, and for me, the way I, would, I dealt with it then is I would build these walls around it. I would shut it up. I'd bury it. And I'd go and achieve and win and make money and do these things that would create, that would soothe me artificially never dealing with the real problem. But when I met with Matt May, it was the first time in my life I actually gave space for that anxiety, kept track of it, measured it, just like 
had an awareness that it was okay that I had this. And, and then w- when I went and looked back at that data, I could not believe my fucking eyes. None of them happened. So I want you to think to yourself, you know, if you're, if you're a person that's anxious or worried about something, you know, do a couple of things I said. Give yourself some space maybe once a day, 30, 40 minutes. You could go read, read David Burns' material. He's got some great books on this, on this uh, matter. There's some other authors I'm going to recommend in future solos as we get into my journey and how I actually overcame it because, again, that was my first step. But, yeah, keep track. Maybe go get a counter. Go get a counter app. Say every single time you're worried or you start obsessing about something, you start thinking about something in your past, ping, that's one. Ping, there's two. Sometimes I do like five in a row. I would stop. I'd go back to what I was doing and start thinking about it again. Ping, three, hundred my first day. Within two, three weeks, it was down to one or two a day. Within a month, I forgot to even keep track. And then make that list. Make that list of the things that, are your, that you're worried about. Oh my God, what, what if this happens? And what if that happens? Or what, what, what if that would have happened to me in the past? And what if this is going to happen to me in the future? Go make that list. Keep track of it. Write every single thing down. Give it some space. And then over time, what I want you to do is look at it and say, did any of that stuff even happen? For me, it was, you know, give it months. When you do that, and I've done it again in my life, And it's always the same. Almost none of it happens. If not, none of it happens. And when the stuff does happen, I'm totally capable of dealing with it, which puts that psychology today statistic. You, you You, if you have a resilient mind, have the ability to overcome everything and anything. And when we start to read the books of like Man's Search for Meaning, or you start to think about these people that have done really hard things, we know that we as humans are resilient. But we gotta give ourselves that space. We gotta heal our past wounds. We gotta move past them. And then we have to have some faith that life's happening for us, as I've talked about in my previous solos, and that we are resilient humans who are able to handle the many difficult things that life throws at us, to thrive and become stronger individuals, to create greatness in the world. That said, um, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to my solo today. I hope this maybe helped. So these are things that helped me in my life. I've invested a lot in overcoming this this disease of anxiety in my body and I'm a better person for it and I'm, and I'm looking forward to sharing the whole story. So uh, next week, uh, I'm gonna, this will be a series. This is part one. Um, it'll probably be a three-part series, um, if not four-part series, but this is part one of how I overcame my anxiety and uh, glad to get to share that with you. With that said, go live some greatness here at The Greatest Machine. We love you guys. Peace out. Take care. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on, and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode, you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. 
And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.